Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, October 15th, 2018. Broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, we will react to a wild weekend here in New England, especially on Sunday night as the Red Sox and the Patriots will both play in at the same time. Both teams won on Sunday night, so we'll talk about that. I'll go over my picks for week six and react to what was a great week for my picks. Not just picks, picks, but also my DraftKings. Got to have them play for Sunday slate in week six. We'll go over all of that. And producer Pete is in studio to give me his shoulda, coulda, woulda from the weekend. All of it presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, P-I-C at DraftKings.com. And at DraftKings, you can draft a new team every week with no season-long commitments. I'm already on to week seven in the NFL, so sign up right now for the $1.25 million play action contest for Sunday's week seven slate. $1.25 million in total prizes with $100,000 going to first place. Just pick your team and follow the action live on your DraftKings app. And again, play in this contest for free by signing up using promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Today's show is also presented by Bet Online. Sign up today at BetOnline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code PODCAST1 at BetOnline.ag for a 50% welcome bonus with college football, the NFL, and now the Major League Baseball postseason underway. This is the perfect time to make your online wages at BetOnline.ag and take full advantage of the best bonuses in the business. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, BetOnline.ag. Welcome to the show on this Monday, October 15th. I had to turn my heat on last night, which, you know, mixed emotions about that. It's obviously terrible that summer is over, but when you have to turn your heat on in October, that means that we got postseason baseball And we're getting right into the middle of the NFL season. NHL has begun. The NBA begins this week. So there is a lot going on. I would prefer for there to be a lot going on without putting my heat on. But, you know, there's nothing I can do about that. So I'm not going to sit here and complain about it for a full hour. Um, So last night, Sunday night. Well, let me first bring in producer Pete. Pete. pick. Sorry, didn't mean to. Ignore you. Oh, over it's there. all good. But yeah, you sent an email, so I might as well just let you keep multitasking. Sending. I'm always yeah, multitasking. Always multitasking. Um, you weren't multitasking like me on Sunday night, though. I kind of was. You were. Oh yeah. You were at the Red Sox. I was game. there at the game. Yeah. Now I had an opportunity to go to the game. You turned it down. Game two of the Red Sox. Yeah. I turned it down. Wow. Couple of reasons. One. Wow. Obviously, the Patriots were playing against Kansas City on Sunday night football, and it was a big game. So I wanted to have the remote control in my hand to be able to go back and forth. But also, you know, I got another device in front of me. So I'm playing both games at once. I'm playing the Red Sox game two with the ALD, ALCS. And then I'm also playing the Patriots game. Both games at once, right? I wanted that. that. That was my Sunday night. I had already prepared for this mentally. I'm ready to go, all right? Got the snacks. Got the remote control ready. <laughs> what, I'm, what snacks? I'm ready to have? go. What snacks? Some sunflower seeds. Big Cheez-Its. All right. Big cheese, it's guy, and sunflower seeds. Nice. With some Diet Pepsi. That that was a big big party at my apartment last night. Big party. Um, <laughs> so you were at Fenway. I was. What, so and how, I was multitasking as how well. How were you watching? Were you watching the game on your phone? Yeah, the Patriots we, yeah, game? Yeah, we, we had the game set up right in front were of us. Were you watching then. just like the play-by-play, like on a box score, or were you watching no, the we, actual game? Because it was, it was streamed live on Yahoo. So the Yahoo Sports app, you can pull the game up right there in front of you. Oh, that's right. It was perfect. It was awesome. That's right. So we had that going because we were sitting on the monster, so you have the nice little... The, the little bar in front of you, so we were able to prop it up and watch the whole game, pretty much. You had good seats. It's great Now, seats. me and you went to the game one on Saturday night, and right. we sat behind home plate. Again, great seats. Great seats. Yeah. Um, here's the reason. Here's another reason. So, one reason I didn't go to game two. I was offered tickets right 
probably like 15 minutes before the game. My buddy calls me. He's like, hey, let's go. I get great seats. You want to go in? I go, ah. I really want to watch this Patriots game at the same time as the Red Sox game. Okay? Um, but also, David Price was pitching. And that was a big factor to me. Like, if Chris Sale was, if it was game, like, if that had happened game one and the Patriots were playing at the same time, but it was Chris Sale on the mound, I would have probably said, okay, yep, let's go into Fenway. Let's get in there quick. And we might show up and it ain't no too late, but I want to get in there for that. Because it was David Price on the mound, I said to myself, if I'm going to be a couple minutes late, the last thing I want to do is show up to Fenway, already have the Red Sox be down 4 nothing, and then also miss the Patriots game. like that's, and, and also be cold on top of it. Like That's not what I'm looking to do. So David Price, the fact that he was on the mound for the Red Sox in the stock game too, that was a factor in me turning down these Red Sox tickets on Sunday night. Good. I don't think David wanted you there anyways. Good. Because I wouldn't have been giving him a standing ovation like other people as he was walking off the yeah, mound. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Uh, but but I mean, isn't he, that... I mean, he, he he did okay. It wasn't standing ovation <laughs> I, for it. I wasn't, like, pissed off yeah. at him, but... I think we were kind of, like, a little relieved uh, in a way. Here's the deal. Both the Red Sox and the Patriots won on Sunday night. The Patriots won 43-40. I will get to that. We'll get into the NFL. But I come in here, in here today, and I ask myself, like, what's the top story? What should we lead with? I do think we should lead with postseason baseball. We should lead with the Red Sox. After two games of the ALCS against the Houston Astros, this series is tied at one. The Red Sox lost game one on Saturday night, the game that I was at, that me and you sat behind home plate. Chris Sale started that game. He did not look good. Now, he only allowed one hit while not looking good, so I guess that's a good thing, but he walked four guys and he hit a batter. And his velocity was down to, like, 90. I mean, there were a couple pitches, a couple fastballs he threw at 89. Now, he did kick it up to maybe 92-93 when he was really reaching back because I believe he struck out his final two batters in the fourth inning. Right? So he, he reached back. His, he also has that nasty slider. Look, Chris Sale was battling. Now, at first we thought, well, he's battling with the shoulder inflammation. I'm watching the velocity be down in that game, and I'm thinking to myself, he must have emptied the tank against the Yankees. And because when you go back to that game against the Yankees, when he was taken out of that game, what did he throw? Like 92, 93 pitches? He was like, I don't know. I just thought Chris Sale was a little too happy to come out of that game. As soon as he did. I just thought he was a little too happy. The guy, the Chris Sale that I know, who would be 100% healthy, would want to throw 110 pitches in that game against the Yankees. And he threw like 92 pitches or something, and they took him out, and uh, I just thought he was a little too happy. That told me he was battling something. He was grinding through something, and that something was obviously the shoulder inflammation. So when you see the velocity down in game one of the ALCS, you're thinking to yourself, well, he's got to be, he must have emptied the tank against the Yankees. You know, I think back to his reaction and the reaction that I had to his reaction to coming out of that game, and I'm going, uh-oh. I just didn't feel comfortable with Sale in that game. And, and, and to the point where when Sale was taken out, I felt more relieved. I did. Sale in there throwing 90 miles an hour was stressing me out. I couldn't handle it. So we thought maybe it was the shoulder inflammation. Well, come to find out, during the game last night, during game two, there was news that broke that said Chris Sale went to the hospital and would be kept overnight for a stomach illness. And I don't know, Pete, you might have, maybe you know more than me. Maybe I should know this. But let's just say it was, they were lying to us. And it was like a shoulder-related situation. Would you go to the hospital for that? Like, I'm no. trying to... Or would you just handle that at Fenway? Yeah, that would be internal. Like, yeah, that would be internal. But what if there was a procedure that needed to be done? Where would that procedure take place? Do they have a little room where they do their own procedures? I don't think so, right? The team, you would go to the hospital, wouldn't you? Yeah, but they would. They still wouldn't announce that as like a headline. Well, no. If somebody sees Chris Sale in the hospital, they got to tell people why he's there. And if they don't want people thinking that it's a shoulder procedure, a minor shoulder procedure... Then they say, oh, st- I got the stomach flu. I got, I got a stomach, st- some stomach cramps. I got right? the shits. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, they're keeping them overnight. So, look, I don't mean to make fun of the situation if it is a serious, you know, illness. But um, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, are they telling us the truth with this? Conspiracy Is it really? I, I know. Right? <laughs> there always is. I like it. But you got you to gotta stay on your toes in these situations. Look, the Red Sox need Chris Sale because David Price goes in game two. And... 
this is where we're at with David Price. He gets a standing ovation coming off the mound. He Now, the Red Sox were winning the game when he came off the mound. They were winning 5-4 thanks to Jackie Bradley Jr.'s little double the inning before, which I thought was... I thought they were going to have to call... What was it? Devers that scored? Right? Did he score on that? The ball hit the cup. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was Jackie Bradley Jr.'s hit, right? Yeah, the ball he, hit the cup. Yeah, he had the three. Runs. I thought they were going to call that what? interference. Really? I don't know. I mean, um, it hit an object. Yeah. It wasn't a fan. It took but a it weird hit bounce. an object. And not to say that, you know, that, that runner wouldn't have scored even if it didn't hit the object, but sometimes you just go by the rule. I, you know, I thought maybe the rule book would state, like, if it hits anything other than the wall, then, you know, it's a ground rule double. That's it. So... I thought, but now they didn't call that back. So you get the run. It's 5-4. David Price leaves the game with a 5-4 lead. Now, he did not pitch long enough to get the win. So he gives up four runs in four and two-thirds innings. Gave up, just let up a mammoth home run. Um, Who hit that? Marlon Gonzalez? Absolute Absolute missile, okay, to left field. So Price doesn't pitch long enough to get the win. But here's where we are with David Price. We're going to give him a standing ovation for a no-decision because, you know, it's not getting a loss as a starter is a step in the right direction with this guy. You know, just not getting a loss in the in the postseason as a starter. Because we used to seeing him get a loss as a starting pitcher. Now, he didn't get the win, but hey, he didn't get a loss. So it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Now, the guy makes $30 million a year. Okay? And so... The fact that we now are to the point where we're going to give him a standing ovation for just not getting a loss and allowing four runs in four and two-thirds innings is is embarrassing. You know, I don't think that says anything about the fans giving him the standing ovation. I think that says a whole lot about David Price and where he now stands in our eyes, in our, in our minds. Now, I was not going to give, I wouldn't have given him a standing ovation. I wouldn't. I, I did not. You did not. I did okay, not stand good. Up. Good. Um, and then they kept showing David Price. Like, you know what, though? A lot, it's a lot of the people that are close to the dugout that do it, too. You know what I mean? You what don't are really you trying st- to say about those people? No, you don't. It's, it's, I think it's because he's walking towards them and he, they're all trying to, you know, give him the, hey, way to go, buddy. I don't know if it was necessarily a, a stadium wide standing ovation, if that okay. makes sense. No, it makes sense. From my from my angle, sure. on top of the green monster, I, looking down upon you know, everybody again, else. A couple beers, I don't know, maybe I would have been standing up cheering. I, I mean, I, I do think there was like, the fact that the Red Sox had a lead, you know, if they were losing 4 nothing, different. Pr- different story, right? The fact that they had a lead, it obviously changed the, the reaction. I'm just telling you, I don't. I wouldn't have been giving him a standing ovation. I, no, I wasn't, again, I wasn't like pissed off at the guy, but then they kept showing him... The cameras kept showing him, and I'm like, stop showing David Price. I just can't, I can't even stand the guy's demeanor. There's just something about it. He's a, he's, a, he's a tough guy to root for. He is a tough guy to root for. What was he saying to Christian Vasquez? Did you catch that? No, I didn't. He was saying, when he was t- getting taken out, he had his glove over his mouth. He was saying something to Vasquez, and then there was a play, a pitch after that, and... Vasquez, like, you know, he, he let the ball bounce instead of catching it. Remember? And it was like a foul tip, but it was a phantom foul tip. And they showed David Price, and he was pissed off. I don't know if he was pissed off at Vasquez all night or what, but that's a garbage look if that's what he was doing. Like, airing it out to the catcher like that? Like, come on. Now, I don't know that he was. But I, I guess, again, that's where we stand with David Price. Like, everything's on the table. I just can't stand the guy's demeanor. I was not going to give him a standing ovation. Um, but hey, I guess it's a step in the right direction as a postseason starter where you don't get a loss. He gets the no decision. The Red Sox win game two, seven to five. You got Rick Porcello pitching a scoreless eighth inning, coming out of the pen once again in the postseason. And then you got Craig Kimbrell, who once again makes it interesting, but does go out and ultimately get the job done. So here we are now, series tied at one. They will have Monday off. Game three is going to be tomorrow night, Tuesday night, uh, afternoon, or early evening, 5 o'clock Eastern time in Houston is game three on Tuesday, tomorrow on Tuesday. Nathan Avaldi versus Dallas Keuchel. And what will be interesting there is the Red Sox lineup against the lefty Dallas Keuchel. Will Rafael Devis be in it? Devis needs to be in the lineup. I mean, it's a small sample size, 
but his career batting average against lefties is 280. In his career, short career, but in his career, he's hitting 280 against lefties. That's not a number where I go, he can't play against a left-hander. To me, Rafael Devers, like how many times do you see these postseasons and watch other teams and see young kids get the opportunities and step up in the big spots? When I watched Devers last year in the ALDS against Houston, I was thinking to myself, well, this is Devers getting, you know, stepping up in big spots. He was one of the team's best players in that series. And then in this postseason, it's like Alex Cora has buried Rafael Devers. He didn't play him in game one of the ALCS against Verlander which I, I thought was weird. I thought it was an odd way to use him. He played Nunez. Nunez was at third, and he made a couple errors. And so... And he had Ian Kinsler in there last night against the righty, so uh, there's there's no matchup Yeah, there, it's, so. he's, he's handling this thing in an odd way, and I'll be curious to see what he does with Devers against the lefty. Is he going to play him? He has to play Devers. Devers in game two. Two for three with a walk, an RBI, and two runs scored. He's got to play. The kid's got to play. He's that good. Don't sit him against the lefty. You know, it's one thing if you play him against two lefties in a row and he's like 0 for 8 with six strikeouts, then it's like, okay, the next lefty, you're not going to play him. But I think that Rafael Devers has showed he should be in this lineup every single day. I mean, once you really do get past Bogots at four, Pete, does the rest of this Red Sox lineup scare the Houston Astros pitching staff? I don't think so. You got to put somebody else has to be in there. Whether you hit Devis sixth, whether you hit him fifth, whether you bounce Bogarts back a little bit and hit Devis cleanup, I'm okay with that too. But you got to throw another bat in there if you're the Red Sox. That's going to put some fear into the Astros pitching. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And so Devis now, he's creating a little history here against Houston last year in the ALDS and, and now in game two in the ALCS where he's a hitter that the Astros are not going to play games with. And, and, you know, there's maybe a little fear in their eyes with him. So my thing is you got to get Devers in. He's got to play, even against the lefty in Dallas Keuchel in Game 3. So Game 3, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, 5 o'clock in Houston. Nathan Evaldi versus Dallas Keuchel. Game 4 is going to be Wednesday. Wednesday night at 8.30 in Houston. Rick Porcello against Charlie Morton. And then Game 5 will be Thursday night. You get the 2-3-2 series. So three games in a row in Houston. I hate it because you split at home. That shouldn't be a bad thing in a seven-game series. But now you split at home with the 2-3-2. You got to play three straight in the road. That's garbage. Game five will be Thursday night in Houston at 8 o'clock. The rotations to be determined, but I'm going to assume it's the same as game one. Chris Sale, Justin Verlander, if Chris Sale is able to go. Again, we're waiting to see. As I record this show on Monday morning, October 15th, I do not know the complete diagnosis of Chris Sale. He was kept overnight in the hospital with the stomach illness. Are they telling us the truth about the stomach illness? I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm just, you know, I know you think I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I also like to put myself in the shoes of a professional organization in a moment like this, with the player like this. And I'm telling you that I would not be telling anybody the truth. That's all I'm saying. You want to call me a liar? Good. Uh, Then I'm a fucking liar. But I would not be telling anybody the truth about what is really wrong with Chris Sale. Because, and look, look, that game one where Sale was on that mound, you know, he goes through the first inning. They, that, that Astros team's got to be talking to themselves in the, in the dugout after that, going, he doesn't have it. Everybody in the building was going, he doesn't have it. So Chris Sale, that's a huge concern. It is. Because if David Price... He's going to have to pitch again in game six. You're not going to put your money on him. Um, Houston's just too good. Chris Sale has got to come out in game five and be dominant. Whatever the series looks like at that point, he's got to be dominant. Are you now putting your money on Chris Sale to be dominant after what you saw in game one? And also now knowing this other situation that he's in the hospital? Pete, I'm not putting my money on him. The velocity was down, and I've never felt like this about Chris Sale. I've, I never felt relieved when Sale was taken out of a game. I did. I felt relieved because I knew he didn't have it. Everybody in the building knew he didn't have it. And that's not good for the Red Sox. They need Chris Sale. So, um, yeah, I do have some concerns here. I really do. But I guess the game that you started, David Price, you end up winning that game. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Rick Porcello really is, though, the savior, I think, right now. Right? 
if we're looking at a guy and saying like, would they would they still be? Would we feel okay about this Red Sox team if it wasn't for this guy? That guy is Rick Porcello, right? That's the guy. Comes out of the pen against the Yankees and starts a game, and now he comes out of the pen against the Astros in a big eighth inning last night uh, in in a close game, and now he's going to start game four in Houston. So Rick Porcello's got some serious swagger going right now. He's pitching with some serious confidence. He's throwing with conviction. He's you know he's throwing high sliders by guys like this guy. He is just getting up there, working quickly. He's getting the ball and he's throwing it. And uh, this is the type of guy you you just can't you can't hit right now. And and I feel I never thought I'd say this about Rick Porcello, but I think I feel better about him than anybody on this Red Sox staff right now. I really do. So uh, you'll have Evaldi in Game 3, Porcello in Game 4, and and hopefully a healthy sale in Game 5, but I'm just not sure about that. So um, that's what this thing looks like right now. And Pete, how how are you feeling about it? You After two games, I, are you are you down after no, seeing with, Sale I'm, in Game 1? I'm with you. I think uh, a lot is riding on whether or not Sale is, is at least 80 to 90%, maybe. I'd put him in that range because... He obviously was, like you said, he was out of it on Saturday. Even his control, his control wasn't even there. Like he had, what yeah, he, it was tough to watch. He, I think he had it really four was. walks. Maybe I don't four know. walks. He had four walks. He hit a guy. He hit a guy too. Only yeah. allowed one hit. I mean, you know, as much as we're stressing know, out about the I velocity, know, he did only allow one hit. But like you said, everybody was talking about it, so everybody noticed it right away. All the chatter in the section that we yeah. were in noticed the velocity was down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was cold out. If he doesn't wear those sleeves, you know, you gotta. Did, so, he, did he catch something that night? I don't know. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I'm still concerned about the inflammation. Yeah. And I'm concerned about did he... Did I know. He I don't like to think about it, you know? I do. I, I mean, I I don't, but I, no, I, I do at the same time because we got to talk about it. So I got to think about it. It's like, if you want me to evaluate it, here's how I'm evaluating it. I have concerns about the inflammation just because of how he was handled late in the season. Two DL stints. Then he comes back and the velocity was down in his final start. So we're all looking at the velocity. He comes, you know, he pitches against the Yankees. It was good. And uh, I even tweeted that night against the Yankees, game one. I said, we're good. Thinking we're good. But now it looks like maybe he emptied the tank against the Yankees and there's something else going on with that shoulder. At least that's my diagnosis from afar. That's my diagnosis from 18 rows up. Okay? <laughs> but it was behind home plate. So it was. I got that going for me. But, um... You got to hope Sale's healthy, and you got to get Devis in the lineup. Devis has to stay. You, you got him in game two. Keep him in the lineup. I'm with you Let's on Devis. Let's go. I, I hate going flip-flopping, going back and forth, getting no. these guys in and out of the lineup. Let him, let him catch his groove. Look, there are certain guys you got to keep in. Devis is becoming a player. You got to keep in your lineup. He's my draft king's got to have him play for game three. <laughs> right? Rafael Devis, you got to have him if you're the Red Sox. Keep him in the lineup. The kid gets on base. The kid's not phased by the big moment. And he, he's not terrible against lefties. Let's not act like, you know, you play this righty-lefty game. And sometimes I think these guys can overthink it. Devis is a stud. Let's start treating him like one, okay? And I'm talking about the Red Sox manager. Needs to start treating him like one. Devis got to be in. There you go. So that's the Red Sox. So I'm watching the Sox last night. Big win. Watson the Patriots. I'm sitting there going, Patriots got to win this game to give me a perfect 5-0 and with picks, picks. Patriots win the game. That's all they got to do. They give me a perfect 5-0. and Of course, this thing, they made me sweat it out. They made us all sweat it out. The Patriots do win the game. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs 43-40 to on Sunday Night Football. 43-40. to Steven Goskowski kicks the game-winning field goal. No time left. Went 5-5. Five for five. In his field goals in this game. Now the Chiefs, it's their first loss of the season, which means there's only one undefeated team left in the NFL. That's the LA Rams. They are 6-0. They just beat the Denver Broncos on Sunday. So the Rams are the only undefeated team. Chiefs undefeated no more. But Patrick Mahomes still came into Gillette Stadium, made a couple mistakes. You know, the Hightower interception where he fakes the blitz and he steps back. That is my definition of a word I created years ago of how you... Stop Peyton Manning. And it's disguising. 
Disguising. You disguise the blitz and you create confusion. And when I say disguise the blitz, that doesn't always mean that you actually blitz. That means that you might fake the blitz, create that confusion, and you then have disguising. <laughs> it's it's a word I created years ago, and I'm I'm hoping that one day Bill Belichick will use it in a press conference so that somebody else can take credit for it, not acknowledge me, and I'll be sitting here having a podcast where I'm then mad at that said reporter or media member calling him a, a coward for stealing my word and then wanting to take credit for my hard work with my vocabulary. I can't wait for that day. It's going to come. Disguising. Hightower picks that ball off. That's one of the things you needed to do against Patrick Mahomes. Somebody was going to do it. Mahomes ends up throwing two interceptions in this game, but he threw four touchdown passes. 23 of 36 for Patrick Mahomes. 352 yards. But it wasn't enough because Tom Brady, 24 of 35 for 340 yards. Brady only threw one touchdown pass, but he ran one in. Brady didn't throw any picks. He did fumble once, and that was... Tom, what are you doing? Yeah, he, had, he had all day that on was, that one, too. I don't know what he was doing on that. Um, he For a moment, I think he thought he was Michael Vick. <laughs> just for a moment. And then he realized, oh, no, I'm... You know, not only right now, not only am I not Michael Vick, but I'm going to act like uh, Tony Romo. And I'm just going to, you know, do something stupid. So, uh, Brady, that was a bad fumble. That's, a, that's as bad a fumble as you're going to get. That's as bad a play you're going to get from Tom Brady. I'm surprised we even saw something like that out of him. But he did fumble once. You, you get Sony Michelle, 24 carries for 106 yards and two touchdowns. Josh Gordon and James White tied for a team-high five catches. Josh Gordon's going to be good. If you are watching this and you think Josh Gordon is not going to be good, you're out of your fucking mind. He is in just a physical specimen. And if you're going to have him cutting over the middle like that, then he's going to create some problems for opposing defenses. And, and one thing that was good to see with Josh Gordon, you know, you talk about when a guy comes to the Patriots, are they going to get the, the playbook? Are they going to... You know, are they going to study hard enough or be smart enough where they're going to understand everything that Tom Brady's doing in the no huddle, what he's saying and doing at the line of scrimmage before the ball is snapped? Josh Gordon caught that pass over the middle, and then there was a play right afterwards. I think they went right back to him. Or they did something, and then they did a no huddle, and they, they changed the play. They ran the play, and Gordon had a nice got the route right, and they threw it to him. And it showed me, like, all right, he knows what's going on. He under, he, he's getting it. He understands it. I think he was out there for most of the night. Gordon's going to be a beast, all right? And uh, that's a great sign. That's a great sign. Now, I didn't even know Gronk was playing in this game until, like, the late in the fourth quarter. And he had a couple big catches late, which got his reception yardage close to 100. I think he had, was it three receptions for 97 yards? He had 97 yards receiving. He got those yards late. But before then, he really wasn't. Gronk really didn't do much in this game, but the Patriots still score 43. At home, they win it 43-40. The McCordys had a bad night. Devin McCourty, Jason McCourty, the, the, really the secondary there. Now, Stephon Gilmore, I thought, played really well, and, and I actually tweeted this about Gilmore, and I think this every week, and I, I always forget to tweet it because I like to stay off Twitter for the most part during games. Stephon Gilmore is awesome. And I feel like we don't talk about this enough. I feel like he is maybe the most underappreciated talent in New England, in this town, in any sport. We don't talk about Stefan Gilmore. He's a beast. They signed him the first day of free agency last year. And all anybody could talk about was, well, what's that going to mean for Malcolm Butler? It's like, well, maybe we should focus on Gilmore. And early last year, remember Gilmore had some hiccups he kind of got caught snoozing, or it looked like he did, but it wasn't him snoozing. It looked like he, he was snoozing, but it was really just a miscommunication. He was trying to figure out, you know, what was going on. And, and sometimes with those miscommunications, I think it's tough for us at home on the couch to, to pinpoint who was the one miscommunicating with who, right? Like, was it even Gilmore's fault? Yeah, it looked like it was because he was in no man's land and a guy caught a touchdown pass. But that might not have been his fault. You know, it's tough to judge. Right now, what Gilmore is doing this season, I think he's been awesome week in and week out. And I feel like it's underappreciated. I feel like we don't talk about this guy enough. 
and he broke up a play last night as Mahomes was trying to create space, get time, had the time, created the space for himself, throws it in the right side of the end zone, and Gilmore comes out of nowhere with speed and just a full-out dive and gets his fingers on the ball and bats it down, and it was a huge play, and Gilmore's been great. The rest of the secondary last night, eh, like Jones, the McCordys, I just felt like they had a bad night. They had a bad night. They allowed 40 points. The good news is they score 43. Goskowski was nails last night. Uh, it is the one play that everybody's talking about where Brady almost got sacked and he ends up running it in for a touchdown. The Chiefs player actually did have him wrapped up and let go because I think he thought Brady threw the ball and he didn't want to get a flag. He said after the fact, after the game, he said, well, I didn't want to get the flag. I didn't want to get penalized. And, you know, it led to Chris Collinsworth continuing to point that out during the broadcast. And Collinsworth kept saying, oh, you know, the refs have turned this into a league where guys are now scared to hit the quarterback. Which is true, in a sense. You know, we can go back to the Clay Matthews hits, right? One of those hits that cost Green Bay a win, and they ended up tying Minnesota. I I told you that Clay Matthews hit on Kirk Cousins was the most perfect hit in the history of contact sport. And the NFL threw a flag. So, yeah, the NFL and their officials, they've done this, and they've kind of created this mindset, I think, with some defensive guys that maybe you can't finish a hit on a quarterback as much as you would like because you're going to get penalized for it. Whether it's late, whether it's too hard, whether you use force taking him to the ground, you're going to get a penalty. So this guy has Brady wrapped up. He doesn't make the tackle. He lets go of him, and Brady just runs it in. And, you know, Collinsworth kept bringing it up, but it it was a third down play. You know, Patriots got a touchdown out of it. If he tackled him, it would have been a field goal. Patriots still got the last possession. I mean... I still think they would have put a touchdown in if they needed to. That's the way this game was going. So how much do you really want to put into that non-tackle that was made in that spot where the guy was scared to get a flag in Kansas City? Patriots had the ball last. They were obviously moving it all over Kansas City's defense all game long. Kansas City's defense is really no good. And I just think the Patriots, they would have scored a touchdown. Patriots would have won the game anyways is my point. They would have won the game anyways. So how much stock do you really want to put into that play where the guy doesn't tackle him? Um, Patriots win 43-40. They're now 4-2. and two. Now they go to Chicago Sunday at 1 in Week 7. The Bears coming off a loss to Miami. I don't know how they lost. Uh, I mean, Miami, Drake fumbled. You see that right at the goal line? Yeah. And that's his bad. I mean, he was crying after that one. That's as bad a play as you're going to see. And uh, Bears still lost the game. Miami wins. So that affected the Patriots in multiple ways. Miami also 4-2, and two, tied for first place with the Patriots. Patriots on the tiebreaker right now because they already beat the Dolphins. But um, look at Chicago. Khalil Mack got a little banged up in that one, so I'm not seeing an early spread for this game. And that might be why Khalil Mack banged up in this game against Miami. We'll see what his status is Sunday at 1 in Chicago. Patriots will take on the Bears. But, uh... With that Patriots win, that was my that mocked my first perfect week of the NFL season, Pete. Five and all with picks picks in week six. I am now nineteen and eleven on the year, which gives me twelve total points in the podcast one sportsnet challenge. You can check out the season long standings yourself at podcastonesportsnet.com. You can also join in on the trash talk on social media using hashtag Sportsnet Challenge. My wins were Patriots over Chiefs, Houston over Buffalo, though they needed the the late pick six uh, to make that happen. So I had Houston. I got that right. Minnesota over Arizona. Got that right. Pittsburgh over Cincy. A late touchdown. That over the middle. Tantonio Brown. There was some confusion or at least some controversy because they thought that was a little pick play that should have been called. Um... But Pittsburgh ends up winning the game. They beat Cincinnati. And then my lock of the week was Atlanta over Tampa Bay. And it also played into my DraftKings got to have him play of the week. I really had a perfect week, Pete, because my DraftKings got to have him play was Matt Ryan. And he killed it. 31 of 41 
for 354 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. The the Falcons beat the Buccaneers. The Falcons were one and four entering that game. They had lost three straight. It was in Atlanta. There was no way there was no way Atlanta was losing this game. So they were my lock of the week. They made me sweat it out towards the end, but I end up getting it right. So five and all with picks, picks. I needed the perfect week. Hey, you would do. I was due. You would do. With everything. Oh, yeah. And I actually, I believe only one other person in the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge can go 5-0 and if I've read this correctly on the website, podcast1sportsnet.com. Me and Scott Braun from MLB Network. Um, Scott Braun, I think, is going to go 5-0 and if he gets Green Bay to beat San Francisco on Monday Night Football. So we have to that, wait for that game. We, I, I guess we have to wait. Now, can we talk about this? Can we talk about what's going on? Well, maybe this this probably brings us to our Monday segment, <laughs> which is called Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda. Let's just get to it. Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda. Every Monday, Pete gives me a bet that I should have made. Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda, presented by CrossFit 617. Schedule a free intro class today at CrossFit617.com and tell them I sent you to get 20% off your first month. Again, CrossFit 617. Dot com. All right, Pete. Tell me what I should have done. Not ju- I, you oh, yeah. got one, not just for this week, but for this entire NFL season. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. What is it? Yeah, you should have been cheating this whole time, like everybody else. Hmm. Cheating. Tell me more. <laughs> tell, tell me. I'm not opposed well, see, to it. No, tell it me seems more. like it seems like all your other competitors aren't following the rules of this podcast one Sportsnet challenge that you that you're in. And those rules would be that. And I get the email every week. Every week I get the email. Now I got money on this. This means a lot do, to me. You do. And for people, a lot who, to me. for people who don't know what that means, when you go to betonline.ag, there's actually a, a, what, a futures bet that you can put on the winner of the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge. And early on, Pete, you put money on me to win. I was like plus 1,200, I think. Oh, yeah. Plus 1,200. Now, look, it, it's a long season. And I entered week six in the basement of the standings. But a perfect week, I think, is going to bump me up. But a lot of people went four and one. Here's the problem. You're telling me shoulda, coulda, woulda is I should have been cheating all season long because other people in this contest seem to be cheating. The rules state, at least we are told in the email every week, that we can only pick from the Sunday games. The Sunday slate, as they say. The Sunday slate, as they say. As one would say. One would say. Just yeah. Sunday's games. So why is it that here we are now in week six, and I have to go to podcast1sportsnet.com, and I have to see a guy that I'm battling with for a perfect week. We're waiting on him. Why? Because he took Green Bay on Monday night. Well, it's like, no shit. Like, I could, if I knew I could take Green Bay on Monday night at home against San Francisco, you don't think I would do it? Like, this is a... And how about that? Then I look, it's like Adam Carolla... Took the Eagles over the Giants on Thursday night. It's like, well, I would have taken the Eagles over the Giants. The Giants are terrible. And isn't it, you know what's so funny, Pete, about the Giants thing? It's so funny. You know, I like to think that I'm one of the only real humans on this earth sometimes. And no more evidence, no better evidence than when last year when Eli Manning got benched, I said to everybody, what are you all fucking out of your minds for being upset with this? Not only are you the Giants battling for, you know, your best, the best draft pick possible, but also Eli Manning sucks. He's terrible. He, the, the guy has nothing left. If he ever had anything at all other than a horseshoe up his ass and two Super Bowls, he's terrible. And last year when they benched him, all anybody wanted to say was, oh, now you got to fire the coach. What do you think? I was, I, Pete, I don't know if you remember this at the end of last season. I couldn't believe people were so fired up about Eli Manning getting benched. I'm like, well, wait a minute. And you know what my, you know what I said was, I said, if Tom Brady was as bad as Eli Manning, I'd be sitting there telling you Tom Brady should get benched. But here's the problem. Tom Brady would never be that bad. He would never. The Patriots would never be that bad. Why are they that bad? You're only that bad in this league if your quarterback is terrible. That's it. That's it. To be that bad as the Giants were last year, the Giants have a problem. It's a quarterback problem. Okay, and last year's coach knew it, and he benched him. 
Here was the problem. You had, you know, the, the other problem around the league was that nobody wants to crush the Manning family. I'm watching this game Thursday night between the Giants and the Eagles, Pete. Troy Aikman, I mean, I actually like, I like Buck and Aikman, okay? I, I'm a big fan of Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. I, that tell, I know it's a big game. When I hear Joe Buck's voice, that, that tells me it's a big game. All right, so I like Joe Buck. And I'm always happy when he is, is doing a local game. Not, not a local game, but he, when he is broadcasting for one of our teams in this town. I know it's a big game when he's doing it. So I like Joe Buck. And I like Aikman as well. But Troy Aikman, just, it was, it's just, it's so humorous to me how much these guys go out of their way to not criticize Eli Manning. Even during a game in which he looks terrible. It's like, well, you know, Eli, that was a bad throw. But if you can look at this play in the middle of the offensive line, this guy can't be getting in with this swim move. And uh, it's really up front. The problem's up front. It's like, no, it's not, dude. There was a part where the coach, there, there was a camera on the coach for the Giants. And you can read his lips. He goes, throw the fucking football. That's what he said. That's what he said. You read his lips. Oh, and awesome. it's like, okay, at some point, you, then you got the ESPN crew and the, the Hasselbeck is like, oh, you know what? The Jaguars should trade for Eli Manning. It's like, what are you talking about? Granted, the Jaguars look terrible against Dallas. And I told you Jacksonville was going to have a down year. And they look, this Super Bowl was obviously against the Patriots. But what do you, what do you mean? Eli Manning's going to go to Jacksonville and lead him to lead him to the Super Bowl? What are you talking about? Like, at some point, can we just stop protecting the Manning family and tell it like it is and say that Eli Manning is awful and that you should really pick against them if they're, if they're playing a good team? So, yeah, I would be picking the Eagles on Thursday night if... If I wanted to cheat, Adam Carolla, he cheated. Scott Braun, we're waiting on him. Green Bay, he's cheating. How about Shaq? Shaq's got Green Bay too. And they're, he picked the Eagles. They're all, Shaq picked the Eagles yep. too? Oh, yeah. Uh, he's got Green Bay. He's double cheating. <laughs> this is crazy. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Presented by CrossFit 617. Is that Pete? You're right. I. You know, I didn't have to do anything differently in week six because I went absolutely perfect. But I should have been cheating this whole time because I'm sure there were some games on Monday night and Thursday night that were easy picks, but I stayed away from those easy picks. You followed the rules. Which means that instead of 19 and 11, I don't know, I could be, what, 25 and 5? Is that correct, like, like Matt? like the hope. Is I that like correct, to... Matt? 25 and 5? So, I mean... Yeah, you're right. I should have been cheating this whole time. Here's the deal. Moving forward, guys, you got to pick Sunday's games. Unless I'm getting a different email than all of you. Okay? Unless we're getting a different email. Unless they are just trying to tell me to pick Sunday's games. Which is a big conspiracy, possibly, against just me. They don't want me winning this thing. And they want... The big names winning. They want Adam Carolla winning. They want Shaq winning. Huh? They know there's a lot so of money they, on they, you. They know they're like, ah, you guys aren't that good making your making your picks. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna let you pick the Thursday and the Monday game, but we're gonna tell Picard he can only do Sundays at one. Okay, and he can only pick teams that have orange, purple, and gold uniforms somewhere in their colors, which narrows his games down to like eight games. He can only pick from. And it's going to make it really difficult for him to win so that he can never go perfect. We never have to give him the, the weekly giveaway, which is five separate $100 credits to bet online. And uh, Shaq will be able to give that to you a couple times. Adam Carolla, yep, you'll get it. Rob Riggle, yep, we'll give it to you. Chael Sonnen, no. Tough loss, the, uh, tough loss over the weekend, but there's a bigger loss you should be concerned about. That's being in dead last place in the Podcast One Sportsnet Challenge. Um, yeah, so this is a conspiracy, right? Pete, this is, this is not good. This is not a good look for anyone over there on the West Coast. We're over here on the East Coast grinding it out the Sunday one o'clocks. You know, you have rules for a reason. You know, rules are rules. I'm following them. Apparently, I should have been breaking them the whole season. So now we're waiting to see if I'm the only one with a perfect 5-0 and week. 
I'll be rooting for San Fran tonight. You be you bet your ass I'll be rooting for San Fran tonight. They have no shot at Lambeau, but I'll be rooting for them. So um, I went five and zero with my picks. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah, I should have been cheating like everybody else. Maybe everybody else should stop cheating. That's their shoulda, coulda, woulda. They should stop cheating. Just Sunday's games, guys. That's it. I know you're getting the same email as me. Let's go. CrossFit six one seven. Schedule a free intro class today at CrossFit six one seven dot com. And tell them I sent it to get 20% off your first month, CrossFit617.com. So uh, that's week six in the NFL. I'll be back on Thursday to give you my picks for week seven. And uh, you know what else we got this week? Obviously some NHL. The NHL's regular season has begun. But the NBA begins this week, Pete. The NBA begins. Regular season begins tomorrow night, Tuesday night. You got, this, you got two games on opening night. You got the Celtics. Hosting the 76ers, Celtics a five-point favorite as Gordon Haywood makes his return. Uh, The Golden State Warriors are then the second game where they get their rings, they'll raise the banner. They're an 11.5-point favorite over Oklahoma City. Is that high? Because you know how these games go sometimes. Like, uh, you get the ring, you raise the banner. Golden State's not going to lose the first game. But Oklahoma City, you know. That's a team, is what, I mean, is Westbrook playing? The 11 and a half. I haven't been paying attention to NBA injury reports, but 11 and a half to me would suggest that Westbrook is banged up or something. Right? Is that, is that what's going on? Like, I, because I, I'm a little confused by that spread. I know Golden State's awesome. We forget that they added DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, 11 and a half. Interesting. So Celtics a five-point favorite. Warriors 11 and a half. And again, I smell a tease. I smell a tease in the world. I smell a tease as well at betonline.ag. Now the odds to win the NBA championship heading into the season. Golden State the favorite, minus 175. And the Celtics have the second best odds, plus 600 to win it all. The Rockets have the third best odds at plus 800. Uh, I think that the Rockets probably would have the second best odds if they were in the Eastern Conference. Maybe. Right? I think because they're in the West, you got to look at it like, well, they can't have the second best odds because they're not going to, if Golden State's got the best, you know, only one Western Conference team can get to the finals. So you got to give that to the East, don't you? Celtics plus 600, Rockets plus 800, Lakers plus 1,000. Lakers are going to be good. They got LeBron James. That's all you really need to know, right? Haters are going to hate and say, oh, LeBron, he's leaving to go to another team. Oh, but they don't have the supporting cast. Any- Listen, LeBron James is LeBron James. He, they're going to be battling in the Western Conference Finals. It should Lakers really should have better odds than the Rockets, in my opinion. That's what it should be. But Lakers plus 1,000. And then the only other team I'm going to acknowledge is because it's another Eastern Conference team, and it's the only other Eastern Conference team that I think has a shot, and that's the 76ers at plus 1,400. But uh, I'd still take the Celtics to beat the 76ers with the return of Gordon Haywood. So uh, exciting times. We got a lot going on. And beginning Tuesday night, we will have four teams playing at the same time. The Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics, and the Bruins. Exciting times. Also coming up this weekend, you know who's in town this week, Pete? I do. We talked about it earlier, yeah. WWE's in town. They're at the TD Garden, I think, Saturday or Sunday. Just a smaller event like the WWE Live. And guess who's not answering emails? WWE. Or tweets. I'm tweeting. I'm emailing. Oh, I'm all over them. They never will let me do anything. What have I done to WWE? Other than give them solid, fair, and balanced coverage. What have I done to them? Is there a reason? You know how many excuses WWE has given me to? One was like, oh, we don't do podcasts. It's like, really? <laughs> really? You don't do podcasts? Every time I turn and look, there's another WWE superstar on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast, which, by the way, is part of the Podcast One network. What did I do to WWE that was so bad? Not only am I trying to get someone for this show, I'm also trying to get someone for my YouTube video game series, and I've been tweeting at Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, or Austin Creed, whatever you want to call him, um, and I've been trying to get him in. And he, they don't even respond. I know this scene. Any, if you tweet anything video game related to those guys, they see it. They read it. They want to see it. 
So when they come to Boston, I guarantee you this week, I guarantee you, Xavier Woods is going to tweet out any arcade bars in Boston, right? And I'm going to be like, well, I got a video game show that we could, you know, do a little cross promotion. I got some old retro games. Why don't you come in? Maybe I should get AJ Styles. He does a little retro Styles video game show on YouTube. Part of the Up, Up, Down, Down network there with with, uh, the New Day. So, um, I don't know. I'm trying. I even told WWE before. I said, I will come to you. I will go to the garden. I have microphones. I'll come backstage. I'll, I can get put through a table. Ooh. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah, you right? You've, put me through a table. You've done your practice. You've I've taken, taken your some reps. bumps. Yeah, I've taken a few bumps. I've taken a couple bumps. So, um, I don't know. They just they don't want anything to do with it. You know? They just, they're, they're scared. Now, I have Matt Taven in here all the time, who is the real Ring of Honor world champion. And it's funny I say that because my next episode of Pick Up Your Sticks which will be released this week, actually involves the real Ring of Honor world champion. Matt Taven came in studio, and we played a game of NBA Live 19. Um, the one thing I will say about it is we did random teams, and I absolutely hated the matchup. But we got to stay true to the randoms, right? You can't do it again. Did you go wild card? Yeah. You did, yeah. San Antonio versus Denver. How? Ah, it's, it's, yeah. I know, I know. But Matt... Matt's the best, so he's always good. It's a good episode. Make sure you watch it. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. I don't know. What am I missing? I don't think I'm missing anything. I think I'll just be back on Thursday to make my picks for week seven, try to go another perfect week. I'll fo- I will continue to follow the rules. And um Like a gentleman. Like a like a gentleman, like a gentleman would. And uh you know, I'll react to anything that happens in the ALCS. So wait, let me map this out here. Monday off, then you got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Maybe I'll do it Friday morning. Pete, sometimes we got to bend the schedule because you know what happens is we come in, record Thursday. Game five will be that night. And a lot of times people listen to the show the next day that they're going to work. Like they download it that night for the, for the, you know, for the commute the next morning. And so I want to be timely. It's tough to be timely with so much going on, but if there's an opportunity for me to be timely with both Major League Baseball postseason and the NFL, maybe Friday would be the best day to do something. So I'm changing on the fly here. We'll we'll do it Friday. I'll do it Friday. I'll give my picks on Friday. Uh, that will be the next podcast. And until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. And yeah, that's it. 5-0, and oh, I'm perfect, I'm feeling good, and the Sox, by the time we get to Fenway, Game 6, next weekend, my prediction is that Houston will be up 3-2. I think Houston takes 2. Then I think the Red Sox come back and win Game 6 and force a Game 7, and uh, at that point, anything can happen, but that's my pick, and I'm sticking to it. I'm out. Talk to you again on Friday. 